You love the Lord today, amen? He loves you. He loves you more than we can even love him. The reason we can love him is because he first loved us. You know, it's, it's just unbelievable what the Lord himself did because we couldn't do for ourselves. Who would ever think, who would ever think that we get to see the things that are happening on the earth today? Well, what do you mean by that? Well, there's some crazy things that are happening, but God is good. God is going to take us. He's going to get, get us through it. And we are, we have future, our future is in heaven. Amen. By the way, we're just temporary people, temporary things here that we see. They're just temporary. Everything we see right now is temporary. In heaven is eternal. All things that are unseen, Paul said, are eternal in heaven, not made with hands. And what he's referred to is our body, referred to a temple, referring to a new body in heaven. Already, our loved ones who have gone on with Jesus are, are in that place with Jesus in his presence. Oh my, oh my. If they could only come back and tell us what they've seen, we would get excited. I think some of us would start to leap, get excited about the things of God. Well, God is a shaking at times he shakes us, at times he stirs us, at times he uh, allows us to be tested. And it's not, I don't think any of us here would say we're not in a spiritual battle in these days. We're in a huge spiritual battle. Our world is in spiritual turmoil. What's happening? What's happening? Well, Scripture says that the devil is on a rampage. Basically, like a lion seeking someone to devour, and he knows his time is short. Right? So, what would you do if your time was short and you knew you only had so much time? You, you give it all you, you have, right? And that's exactly what the enemy is ramping up. But guess what? The Spirit of God is moving as well. And the Spirit of God, where there's Spirit of God is, there is deliverance, there is healing, there's still hope for people to become converted and brought into the kingdom of God. It is in the heart of God to save and to seek that which is lost. It is in the heart of God to redeem that which he paid for. He loves people no matter how far you are or how far your loved ones may be away from God today, there's hope for them. Especially if you are praying. You're praying. And God is going to use your prayers and people's circumstances. I pray, sometimes I pray, Lord, bring circumstances, bring people to bring about change, to rescue people. Many people are held captive by the enemy. They're bound by many things. Jesus comes to set the captive free. His anointing, the anointing that he has, the power. Demons have to flee in the name of Jesus. Demons will free, flee in the name of Jesus. So we're going to look a little bit at 2 Corinthians 10. We're going to look a little bit what Paul said about this, this life that we're living now. That you and I are experiencing. Paul faced many adversaries. The Apostle Paul faced much opposition. 
to the gospel of Jesus. Isn't it interesting when the gospel of Jesus Christ is proclaimed, the enemy can't stand it because he knows that will turn people toward God. And he will do all that he can to try to snatch away the gospel. Try to take the word of God, the seed of, of God's word, and, and snuff it out somehow. But let's look at the scriptures. I'm going to jive in here, chapter 10, 2 Corinthians, verse 1. Now I, Paul, myself, urge you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. In this battle that we're in, doesn't, we don't have to be jumping up and down, angry. We just walk in the meekness of Christ. devil hates it. When you can stay strong in the midst of a battle. When you don't let it get to you because of the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, guards your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Why, I who am meek when face to face with you, but bold toward you when I'm, when I'm absent. Not totally sure I understand all that. But I know that the scripture says there's a time to speak and a time not to speak. Right? We have an opportunity to live for the Lord in the days that we're living in. That would be different from the world. The fact of the matter is the world is wondering if the Christians are any different than they are. And I believe that a person who walked with Jesus will be different from a person who's walking in the world without Jesus. By the simple fact that there's a peace in their heart. That their countenance, there is a hope, there is a joy, there is a rest. There is this fact that we are going to walk not in our own strength. Look at these verses. Verse 3, for though we walk in the flesh, all of us have to walk in the flesh. If we have the strength to move our legs and to walk and have our breath and our being, that's a gift from God. But we don't war. We do not war according to the flesh. I can't change people's hearts. I can't convince people of untruth except by the Holy Spirit living in you and I. Demonstrating a peace, demonstrating a convincing, demonstrating their, what you believe is what you believe. And no one can steal that away from you, your passion. You hang on to that. You guard that. No one can take Jesus away from you. That's a good thing. We don't walk. We don't war with flesh and blood. Well, what do we do? We walk in this, 
that we walk in this flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. We do not use physical means to bring change. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. But divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. Look at that. But divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. So what is our weaponry? Paul described another picture in Ephesians. In the sixth chapter, he described this imagery of the full armor of God that you, by the way, get when Jesus is in your heart. And he describes it all from your feet to the top of your head. Loined with truth, breastplate of righteousness, feet preparation of the gospel, shield of faith, helmet of salvation, sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. This is the person, this is a picture of a person who walks with Jesus. And the enemy is hurling fiery darts. Accusations, false lies, deception, temptation to get you to let down your guard so that it can pierce with your soul that Jesus is our shield. He's the word, the sword. He's purchased our salvation, the helmet of our salvation. He even enables and directs our path, shods our feet. He keeps us going in the right direction. He says, no, not this way, but this way. He says, wait, stop, hold it, wait for me. Wait on me, trust me, pray through, trust me. Don't talk yet, now talk, now's the time. Go ahead, go for it. I will be with you, the sword of the spirit. Never to be used to beat somebody up with, to condemn somebody. The sword of the spirit cuts into the very deepest parts of the soul. Hebrew described it as it divides, it cuts down to all the stuff that people hang on to and begins to open up and begins to open up so that the word of God can get into that soul and so that they can even begin to believe. The Holy Spirit has come and been brought to the earth and left for us that he convinces, the Holy Spirit convinces people of sin, convicts people of sin. And that is exactly what needs to happen on the earth today in order to have any change. We've got to have a want to change. We've got to realize what we're doing is wrong. Therefore, oh Jesus, help me. Merciful to me, a sinner. This flesh and blood thing is on rampant, gone rampant in our world right now. Taking things on in the flesh only begets more, only begets more, only gets worse. And the only solution is for people to come to realize that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all, gonna, we're going to miss it unless Jesus is in my heart. 
I'm not going to make it unless I know the Savior. And so we have this wonderful, wonderful hope that you and I, though we live in this world, we're not from this world. Amen? We're not going to get too comfortable here. This world will never really feel totally like home. Why is that? Because our heavenly home oasis. And Paul described this something that he was longing to be out, out of this body. He longed, but at the same time, he wanted to rescue and win people to Jesus. And that's the way it is in the world we're living in. And then how much closer are we to the end than Paul's day? How much closer we are? Friends, we got to begin to believe, as the prophet Joel said, in the last days I will pour out of my spirit. I believe. I want to believe for that. I want to believe that there will be people. My, my. I've been hearing good reports from our church, our, our my hometown Aiken. I've been hearing good reports of people in the community that are getting saved. Man, names. I mean, old, old town names. A couple come to mind. I won't mention. These are people that are, that was hard ground, hard, hard-hearted. And God is getting through because they love people there. And they're praying and they're simply preaching the gospel. It's not, it's, we've got to keep the message before people. They were trying to bring people in on their own level bring them in where they're at and then let Jesus fix them up. Let Jesus bring the change. And I'm hearing this. I'm talking to my brother there. There are cigarette butts in the parking lot. Well, praise God. Because they're coming. Those things God will take care of. Get them to Jesus. We are not to be condemning people before they ever get to Jesus. And when they get to Jesus, let's not be the one. Let's be the people. They are babes in Christ. We've got to raise them up. Sometimes there's a mess. Yes, there's a mess. People are in messes. We mess it up because we're flesh and blood. Because we're born self-seeking, self-centered. We have a, a heart, as I said last Sunday, we have a heart problem. What's for me? What's in it for me? See, the sad thing was when Solomon, not Solomon, but Samson, who had the spirit of the Lord in him, his problem was he began to relax. He began to flirt with the world. He began to seep things that he wanted that he shouldn't have, have let himself go. He committed some things that were sinful. In those days, the Spirit of God would come on prophets, but the Spirit sometimes would leave. There was disobedience. 
It happened to King Saul as well. Started out really well, but Solomon, excuse Solomon, Samson, it's, the scripture says he, he would go out and shake himself, but this, he didn't know the spirit of God had left him. Oh, what a sad day. Oh, what a sad thing. May we have the spirit of God. We need the spirit of God in our church. And guess what? You and I are the church. You and I are, hold the spirit of God. We are the vessel. He is the, his presence. That's what sets us apart to be different from the world. People that are just from the world have meetings and they can have great rallies and they can get pumped up, but there's more to it than that. When the Spirit of God is in the place, when the Spirit of the Lord comes, there is liberty. There's true, true life. Amen? I'm longing for His life. I long for His presence to be filling our churches to be seeing people hungry. I think we're going. If God really begins to turn things around, we're not going to have enough buildings. We're not going to have enough places. We're going to have to start meeting in different places to hold all the people. That somehow God is going to overwhelm. Wouldn't that be great? We wrestle not against flesh and blood. You see, the enemy wants to cause us to be in fear. Oh, you can't do that. Oh, you're not good enough. Oh, look how many times you failed. And David was in 1 Samuel chapter 30, was in a point in his life, almost like what anything can go wrong, it would, and it did. And David came through adversity. David, as a young man, faced a bear and a lion. David, as a young boy, faced Goliath, the giant, and whom else, nobody else really wanted to mess with. But David, the spirit of the Lord was on him and in him. And he was able to stand. And he would inquire from the Lord, should we go out and fight this battle or should we not? Because he knew if he did not have God's help in the battle, he wouldn't win. He would be no match. But it happened, just so happened, there was an, a story. And really, one of the tests of our emotions and of our, of our whole being is this. When your friends, when your comrades turn against you. And this is what happened to David in chapter 30. The enemy, and they were in Ziklag, this little city. And the Amicalites... Verse 1, chapter 30, 1 Samuel. They made a raid. And they burned the place down. And they kidnapped the children and the wives and ran off while the men were at war in their place. And verse 4 David and the people who were with him lifted their voices, wept until there was no strength. Imagine, wept until there was no strength. These people knew how to mourn. There still is a, a different caliber of mourning in their, in their country. Then, 
David and the people, or David, after the people had wept and there was no strength, verse 5, now David's two wives had been taken captive. Verse 6, moreover, David was greatly distressed. Could you put yourself in his shoes for a moment? The people were talking of stoning him. They were embittered. They were outraged because of his sons and his daughters. But the little word, but, David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Friend, there's a key right here to doing battle in the spiritual realm. We've got to get, get ourselves in the presence of the Lord. We've got to get in the spirit. We've got to be in the spirit. It wasn't it was wasn't it the, the apostle John and book of Revelation that received the revelation because he says in the first chapter, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. See, if we're in the spirit, we'll be able to hear the voice of God. See, if we're in the spirit, we'll be able to hear the inner man, what, what God is saying to the inner man. Say, go, and this way, walk, stop. Listen. Rise up. I could go to other examples. The prophet of Elijah. But David strengthened himself in the Lord. He was able, to, the story turned around. He got his people back because God helped them. God heard his cry. Another example. In 2 Kings, Elijah followed Elijah. Elijah was a man who, who walked and learned and was under direct. He served Elijah for a time. Once Elijah was taken up in the whirlwind, his mantle fell to the earth, and Elijah said, I pray that I might have the, the Spirit of God three, more, three times more. He struck. He struck. struck. Elijah understood also that there is a spiritual realm. One day, in chapter 6, verse 14, the enemy surrounded where Elisha was and where he was, what he was doing about, we don't know for sure, but his servant looked out and he said, alas, he said, what shall we do? We are surrounded entirely around the whole circle. Elijah wasn't afraid. He calmly, so he answered, do not fear. Get this, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. I love this. And then Elijah prayed, oh Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. 
And when, and when they came down to him, Elijah prayed to the Lord, strike this people with blindness, I pray. So he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elijah. Isn't that a great story? Oh, you and I have the same God. We have the same Lord. The Spirit of God dwells in each of us. He can open our eyes to see things as they really are. He can open our eyes and say, you know, that's not true. That's not what the Bible says. That's not what the Word of God says. Well, that's just a partial truth. And the enemy loves to mix truth with half-truth and partial truth. God is not that way. God is not the author of confusion. He's absolutely knows all things. He's all wisdom, all time, everywhere at once. And so this story ends well. Another triumph, another victory. This battle that we are facing right now today in the whole world that is, is going and is looking at this election, we need to stand strong as the people of God with the Spirit of the Lord. We're looking to Jesus. Paul says back in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, we are destroy, destroying speculations. Wow. Isn't there a lot of speculation? If we don't understand God's word and we try to figure out truth, it becomes speculation. The scripture says in the days of Noah, they did what was right in their own eyes. They become a law to themselves. And so the helper, I will send the helper, and he will guide you into the truth and keep you. Jesus understood. Yes, we are going to be tested. Yes, some of you are going to be thrown in jail. He's speaking to his disciples. Yes, some of you are going to be going to go through tribulation on this earth. But don't worry, I'm going to give you the words to say. I'm going to be with you to the end. Hallelujah. We're going to walk with courage, with hope. We have a message. The message is this. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He came down to this earth. He humbled himself to, into a, becoming a man. He humbled himself. He'd come out of heaven, all the splendor and the glory. He took on this whole flesh thing that you and I understand so well. This whole flesh thing. He lived among us, yet he was tempted in all things, yet without sin. He went right on to live and demonstrate who Jesus is, healing, raising up, delivering, speaking to the Pharisees, naming them naming lies and untruth, what they were calling them whitewashed tombs, etc., etc., etc. Jesus was not a pushover. Yeah, we see he's a meek. He was humble. But he's coming back on a white horse. The great victor, a king of kings, and lord of lords, and he's going to judge by the word of his mouth, the sword of the spirit, 
He's going to judge the earth. He's going to judge kings. He's going to judge people, those who, who, who had done wrong things. And without Jesus, we are going to be judged. But thanks be to God, Jesus took our judgment on the cross and on the resurrection. Our judgment is going to be different because Jesus is going to be with us there. Our judgment is going to be because of his grace. And though we live and we fail and we sin in this life, we need to say, Jesus, at the moment we fail and sin, at the moment, get it right. Confess it. Get it right. Get right with God. It's coming. It's coming for those who are looking for him. I don't know of any sinner that's looking for Jesus. I don't think that's going to happen too much. I don't think people that are living for self and sinning, they don't want to know that. They don't want to hear that Jesus has come. They don't want to hear that. They want to be, don't tell me those things. That's why the people in, in the book of Acts were so bad. They were so angry at the person, Stephen. Stephen started right from where their history, and he went right down, starting right Moses, right Abraham, right on down, all the way right up to the time of Jesus. And because you, he says, you people, you, you killed your prophets. And he, he was naming your forefather. He cut, the word says they cut them. It cut them to the quick. And they had a choice in that moment to get right with God or to get mad and throw stones. And much of them at that time got mad and threw stones. But we see a beautiful picture of Stephen. Stephen being filled with the Holy Spirit, being like Jesus himself said, don't let this, don't let this, don't hold this against him. He was just like Jesus. I see Jesus standing, standing at the right hand. Jesus was waiting. This was going to be a, a day of honor for Stephen. And he was, wow. Jesus stood up to recognize Stephen. See, you and I are sometimes called to be warriors. Now, don't get me all... Get, don't get all under condemnation. I could take you to another story today that really freed me up from a lot of things. You remember when David had a battle? There were 600 men, right, at this one point? And David had this battle, and 300 were too tired. They're just, they're bone tired. They couldn't carry their stuff anyway. David says, just stay here and rest. And so they went on. And they took care of the enemy, and they came back with the spoil. And now some of the men said, well, we're not going to share with these guys. Wait a minute. David said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, no, no. And those who stayed here by the stuff and protected our baggage, they're going to share just as much as those who were on the front lines. Friends, some people are on the front lines of this battle today, where their voices are being heard, where they're ministering, and, and they're, they're a target they're a target for the enemy. Others of us are called more to be intercessors and praying, and we're doing the battle in the, in the prayer closet. You're doing the battle in the prayer closet. That's the call of God. You're just as much important, in fact, probably more important than people that are out on the front lines. Does that make sense? Every one of us have been called to do something. And for some of that right now in the season of our life is to take care of our children. For some of that, that's the calling. That's the main thing, to stay faithful. 
for some of us, we're called to a place, a workplace, and maybe there's somewhere God has used to influence others. Maybe you have a circle. And for some of us, we've been in the community a long time, and you're working with people, and you, you have connections. That's your circle of influence. That's the battle where you live. That's the place. And so we are by all call. None of us are exempt from the battle. It's just some of us have been called to be more in front. Others are called to be supporters. There's so many ministries today that could not make it without those who are supporting. I am so thankful for people that are outside of these walls I know right now today that are supporting this fellowship. Many times I've just wanted to cry to think that somebody would send something to support us that are not even attending the church. That's because the church goes beyond the building. And could it be that God is taking this whole thing, this pandemic thing, and he is trying, he is, he's allowed this to happen for such a time as this so that more people, we've been hearing more people are tuning into churches and hearing the gospel. Could it be, could it be that he's disrupting our comfort zones so that we can, can join in, join in with his trust one more time, maybe it's, maybe it's more than that, but maybe this is another way that God is going to bring people into the kingdom. There's more of them. More of us, rather, than of them. See, how does that work? Satan fell from heaven. God had this. He had to go. I don't understand it all. This Bible says he took a third of the angels. And guess what? Two-thirds are still with God. And those two-thirds have angels. Are, many of them are warring angels. Warring angels. But there's one angel called Michael. He's a tough guy. He's more than a tough guy. I think he leads the whole army. And a Dan, Daniel's book, Daniel himself was just a man, but the scripture says that he was highly esteemed. As if to say, we honor you, Daniel. You were praying when they said you shouldn't pray. And he faced a lion's den, made it out alive. God, there's no match for what God can do. The enemy is no match for what God can do. Peter came to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, Peter, Satan has demanded permission. You look it up, it's in the Gospels. To sift you like wheat. In other words, to test you, see what you really are. Jesus looked at Peter and said, don't worry, I prayed for you. What is he saying? The battle was already won. Jesus is saying to us, the battle is won in the spirit realm. There is no 
now no more condemnation for those who are in Christ. What, what is it that the enemy hates about you and I is that we were true. We're true. He hates that. He wants you to be wishy-washy. It's okay. You're lukewarm. That's okay. That's where I want you to be. But God says, no, I don't want you to be like that. I want you to be hot. I want you to be all in. I want you to be all your heart, your soul. Nothing is, you're dragging, there's no, no strings attached. Only, you know, this part, and then that's enough, God. No, he said, you come, you come. You follow me. You walk with me. The good thing is he doesn't leave us when we get old. <laughs> Amen? We're getting older. You're getting, you're getting more seasoned. Seasoned. That's better. You're learning. You're keeping the faith.